Maria is out. Gail is in. The big two are the same as they ever were. And can Fed ever return to the top three? Next on the Tennis Revolution. I'm going to do a terrific show today. And I'm going to help people. Because I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will be live. This is a journey into sound. Rickles, why would you say such a thing? That's a terrible thing to say. But if you didn't get that uh, clip, didn't understand what I was saying, Maria is gone. Maria Sharapova has retired. And that's it. That's about it. I thought she was already retired. I didn't know. She was like 3,000 in the world or something. I didn't know the rankings went that low. But she's out. She's been out. I guess uh, I guess the drugs really did make a difference. That's all you can say at this point. Who knew? Um, now she can just sell chocolate. That really is it. I opened the show with that, and I put more effort into the little medley that went with the good my, Goodbye Maria uh, songs than I care about the fact that she retired. I don't dislike her like Don Rickles apparently does, but that was the last voice in that medley. Um but uh, it, to me, it's a non-story. She hasn't been a factor in any tournaments since her return, really. Um, so there you have it. So Maria is out. Maybe we'll do a, a whole episode dedicated to her career. I doubt it. Not that, I, again, not that I dislike her in any way, shape, or form. But uh, so anyway. That is not a big deal to me. And as you know, another thing that is not a big deal to me, so Maria retiring is not a big deal to me. And it's competing with, again, the slate of tournaments this week that mean nothing. So I guess as opposed to talking about Maria's career, I guess we'll talk about some of these tournaments. But they didn't mean anything to me. Honestly, uh, just like last week, they're just random tournaments in between the end of the Australian and the beginning of the French Open series, and, and they don't mean anything. You know where I want to go right now. This is where I want to be. Yeah, that's where I want to go. You know the drive for five. 
that's where I want to be. I want to be playing in the middle of the South American Slam series right now in all of these stories. That's all that would matter right now. How much more important would all of these tournaments be? Now, they wouldn't all be going on right now. So Dubai, maybe Acapulco would be. So that's a tournament this week. That's certainly possible. Um, because it's kind of in the area. We'd have to change it to clay, of course, red clay for the South American Slam Series. And then we have uh, Santiago, Chile, which is on clay. So that's good. But again, right now, the, South, the Chile Dove Men Care Open. What? That was the red clay tournament in South America going on right now. Um, yeah, and no one cared. No one cared. Except the people down there making, I think the winner, let's see, the winner got $101,000, which, listen, that's a chunk of change. But still. So anyway, Acapulco could be going on now. That could be a, uh, a tournament as part of the South American Slam, change it to red clay, and San- Santiago uh, could also be. But Doha, Dubai, sorry, got to go. I mean, you, you have billions. You have oil billions. Move it to somewhere else. It doesn't matter to me. So, and it, it, so now there are there are a few stories that I as I was watching these tournaments. I mean, all right. So Acapulco, Heather Watson wins. So what is that? Is that? Uh, is that going to foretell what's going to happen for the rest of the season? No. It's not. Heather Watson wins. It was a an over was it over a qualifier? Uh, what does that even mean? Do you even remember who Heather Watson is? I'm kidding. Yeah, Layla Fernandez, Canada. Canada. Oh my God, who the hell cares? I care about Canada. So Heather Watson wins a t- uh, the, the women's Acapulco, a much smaller tournament, of course. Don't start with me on the prize money business. The ATP had nothing to do with rating that tournament an international for the women and making it a 500 for the men. So it's got nothing to do with anything. So I don't want to hear your nonsense, but you have that same tournament, which no one cared about the women. Although I will say the, the only story that struck me on the women's side of Acapulco was one Sloan Stevens. Have you heard of her? So she was the one seed, and I guess for for the purposes of symmetry, she decided to lose in the one round. Now, the fun part is she lost to uh, uh, <laughs> Zara Zuea. Yeah, well, why not? Uh, and she's Mexican. So she, she was playing her essentially a home tournament. I don't know if she's where she's from in Mexico, but either way, 
So certainly the crowd was was uh, super behind her. And the fun part is is that she ended up making it. This is uh, the Mexican uh, wild card, uh, Zarazuela. Ended up beating the, the one seed in the first round and then beats a wild card, American, Volunettes, in the second round. And then beats an unseeded player in um, Zdanzik from uh, Slovakia in the third round until she ends up playing Canadian Layla, Layla Fernandez and losing. And then ultimately uh, Fernandez lost to Watson. But that was fun. So one thing Corey always talked about, one of his criteria for a, a slam to be a great slam is you have a local hero do well, a local player do decently. And in as much as, you know, I don't know where Zarazuela is from, but uh, again, she's from Mexico. So certainly the fans were, were all the way behind her and she did well. And so that made that, that part of that tournament great for the fans and made the watching great for people watching because she was playing Sloan, American. Second round, she played an American. So you're like, ah, for, I, I was sort of behind. I certainly wanted Sloan to win. Um, but, uh, but at least you're, you're sort of watching this compelling story of a local player, uh, you know, have success. But that's not the, that's not the part that, that kind of struck me the most as a coach watching the Sloan match. At one point in time, I mean, and, and this was not a knockdown, drag out battle. Uh, it was four and two, and it wasn't that close. Uh, Sloan was all over the place, spraying ball. It was just it was not good tennis, and she was not in a good frame of mind at all. And so, at one, I can't remember when it was, but I mean. She, she, the coach comes down. Uh, Sloan's coach comes down, and you're and you you, you you know the camera's right in their grill, so you can see everything. And Sloan is just like, "You shut your mouth when you're talking to me." She had she wanted none of it, and her coach was working, and is just and she was just just the look on her face. I mean, I've seen that look, and it's tough when you're losing, and your your head's not in it. There's nothing a coach can say as far as X's and O's, a strategy, nothing. When you look at your player and you look into their eyes. Lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eyes. It's not, it, I mean, she had nothing. There was no chance, no chance she was turning that around. And you could see it on her face that she wasn't turning it around. So um, it just, I've seen that look and it's tough. And I mean, smelling salts, that could be a solution. Maybe just a, just snap them right out of it. old school. I'm talking about old school football smelling salts where you, you have that little vial and you just open it up and put it right. Oh, that'll wake you up. But they didn't have any on hand apparently. And so nothing, it, it, no, nothing could be done. She was inconsolable. And uh, and meekly went out four and two in the first round, which is too bad, which is too bad. So, yeah. So that was the highlight of uh, 
of Acapulco for the women in my low light highlight, whatever you want to call it. That's what, what that was about, particularly as a coach, I'm biased, but just watching as a coach, I could feel his pain. There was, there was nothing that he was saying that was getting through. It was beautiful. So now Acapulco for the men, on the other hand, at least we had, at least we had a one seed that not only would never have lifeless eyes, but somebody who's quite the opposite. He's always in it from the neck up, certainly. Uh, and that was Rafa, one Rafael Nadal. And he basically had, uh, it's relative, of course, basically had no trouble, didn't drop a set. He had one seven five set, um, and that's it. And he, he basically rolled to the championship beating one a Taylor Fritz in straight sets in the final. And uh, so you're thinking, well, yeah, so Taylor Fritz was in the, in the final. He must have been the two seed because certainly to get to the final, you have to be – oh, wait a second. Nope. Zverev, Alexander Zverev was the two seed. And he unceremoniously lost to American Tommy Paul three and four in the second round. And he was, he was having a time of it. He, <laughs> so they have in Acapulco, which I like this system that they have. They have not just the Hawkeye where it's, it's a generated image. A computer-generated image, but they also have real bounce, which I like, which shows a super slow-mo actual film, you know, video of the ball coming across the whichever line it's it's on, and there were two. I think it was just two right in a row calls where even after watching the video he was having none of it so a ball lands remember please remember this everyone remember this when you are out playing your league matches if a hair a hair of the ball one piece of fuzz of the ball touches the line it's in and on one occasion, the ball seemingly didn't touch the line, but it, it's really hard to tell. But it was it was one of those deals where when it hits the ground, it compresses down a little, and so it may hit just past the line, but when it compresses down, the ball ends up touching the back part of the line, and that's in. But as... As Zverev was watching it, he was like, "Come on, son." He didn't think it was in, and so he is arguing not against the. He's arguing to the chair umpire, but he's arguing against real life, real bounce video, and he was. He was beside himself, beside himself, and then it happened again on another shot. I may be in the same game if I remember correctly. And also lost the challenge 
and was not having it. And but he was wrong. I mean, it was it was. It, I get it. You watch it, and you can tell. If you saw it, you could tell why he would think maybe that didn't touch. But again, one hair of the ball touches, it's in. And then the the compression of the ball matters as well. So it was uh, it was tricky. But I like the real bounce. I like the real bounce. I will say this: I'm more skeptical of the cartoon version of Hawkeye or whatever. Um. There's a margin of error. So even when it says what it says, you're like, mm, I don't know. So I don't know. I don't know. There's no, there's no, maybe there is a perfect uh, scenario. You just paint every ball. You'd have to, you'd have to uh, spray the court down every point though. So that might not work. But anyway, so yeah, so that was, uh, that was sort of his, uh, his tournament in a nutshell for Zverev. Not good. Not good. Um, I mean, his brother didn't do much better, but at least he put up a fight against Isner in the first round. Uh, Misha was a wild card. So, anywho. But, uh, yeah, so Nadal in fine fashion makes everybody look like they expect it, like I expect them to look. He, he made the next gen and the next next gen and everybody else look like they were supposed to look in relation to the big two or the big three hashtag weakest error. I said it before I'll say it again and I'll continue to say it and tweet it and whatever else it hashtag weakest error. by all means hashtag a weakest error stat every now and again, would you? I don't know how trending works, but give it a try. So now the women actually did have a real tournament which again doesn't matter overall but in the slate of tournaments here I guess it it kind of mattered maybe the most out of all of of the tournaments this week um because it had a real draw if you will it had top players top to bottom um competing and the one seed um didn't win it, didn't make it to the final, but at least they didn't meekly go out in the first you know round to a wild card. So Ash Barty was the one. Sabalinka ended up making it to the final against Kavitova, the eight seed. And Kavitovas who beat Ash Barty and one seed, eight seed, you know, it you know on the women's side, it doesn't matter. It's all it's all gravy. They're all they're all right in there pushing each other, beating each other. So uh there no no shame in her game in that regard. So Kavitova um makes it deep but ends up losing to Sabalenka, so it's good to see Ariana back on her game. And that was and that was it for the women. I mean as far as big stories in that, I don't know. It's just good tennis, but again, the tennis doesn't matter at this point. It doesn't reflect anything for the future. Matter of fact, when does the future happen? Not until the French Open series, which you might say, hey, you're guilty of uh, putting the Grand Slams too much on a pedestal. Well, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. Players do it. So I, how could I possibly care about this goofy season, this mixed up? part of the season so anywho 
So that's the that's Doha for the women. At least we had some real tennis. And now on to there's only one reason this tournament matters to me, and that's Dubai for the men. And it's not because it's the men. Relax. An ATP 500. But the number one reason, you know it, Gael Monfils watch. So we talked about that we are going to start trying to follow Gael Monfils. Oui, oui. I'm even learning French right now. That wasn't my French, though, by the way. It was French. I know we means yes in French, but that wasn't all I've learned so far. So, Gail Monfils has committed to reaching the top five and possibly winning a slam. Now, he's, I wouldn't say he's close to top five because it's not just a pure numerical game where, oh, you're at 10 or nine. Now you're this many spots away it doesn't work like that because you know there's a log jam at the top and that's the part that's tough to crack so while he is close numerically he may not be close in actuality however his performance in dubai i think i mean i'm gonna not no there is no think i'm just gonna say it his performance in Dubai is, to me, an indicator that now he may not reach his goals that he set forth, top five, winning a slam, but his performance in Dubai is an indicator to me that he is well on his way towards those goals, and I think he is serious about those goals now. So he comes in to a tournament where Novak is the one. So already you're like, okay, well, what are you going to do? You got a big three as the one. So there's your first obstacle. And believe me, I mean, he's a professional athlete. Maybe maybe his mindset is not like fans' mindset where it's like, well, the big three, that's a lock. You know, he's going into every match, maybe. I'm, I'm guessing here. He's going in, into every match not thinking like fans do. I mean, I'd put a ton, if I could bet, I'd put a ton of money on the fact that any big three would beat anyone else at any given time. But, again, he's had a huge amount of success. He's made a ton of money. He's won a lot of matches. Obviously, played an extreme, uh, plays at an extremely high level, so he might have a different mindset. Hello, you play to win the game. That was not him, if you couldn't tell by the accent. So he goes into Dubai, again, with Novak being the one and knowing that he's got to try to get past Novak if he wants to ultimately win this tournament, which, again, is indirectly his goal because, obviously, you got to win matches and win Tournaments to win, to get points, to climb up the rankings. So he meets Novak in the semis. And I mean, and let me back up. Let me read the scores 
for Novak prior to his match with uh, Monfils. First round, one and two. Second round, three and one. Then two and two. And then he, then, and then he plays Monfils. Now here's the score line. You probably have already seen it. 2-6, 7-6, And then in the final, Novak, 6-3 and 4. So what is different about these items? What's, what's, which one stands out, obviously? So now score alone doesn't matter. I mean, the third set, I, I always say, you know, the third set, if you can't, you know, close it out and you just fall apart, um, you know, what does that say? And, you know, so I, can't, I can't back away from the idea that uh, that third set was not good. But he has never beaten Novak Djokovic, and he had three match points. At least, I think it was just three. Uh, but he had three match points against him. Now, he didn't close him out. I get it. I was there. Not there, but I was watching. I get it. But. I don't know how many times, if I had a stat person, I, they'd find out for I don't know how many times he's had match points on Novak. So he's certainly never beaten him, but has he ever had match points? I don't know. I don't know. But to have match points means you can beat a guy. How dare you? I know. It's not, but I, to me, the difference between... Every other score line in this tournament for Djokovic, one and two, three and one, two and two, three and four. Those guys aren't beating Novak. But Monfils wins the first set in fine fashion. Now, Novak looked terrible, to be honest with you. But Monfils rose to the level as he needed to. So he took advantage of it. All in and shot calling. The second set, they both played well. And he was up 6-3 in the breaker, I think. Yikes. 6-3 in the breaker. Three match points and nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now, when it got to the third set, You don't know. So throughout the, I mean, maybe even halfway through the first set, which he won 6-2, he's doing his bending over business. So Monfils always kind of leans over on his knees like he's uh, sucking air. And and, and granted, I I mean, that could certainly be warranted playing against Novak. I mean, he makes you work. But you wonder how much... Of that's real. You wonder how much of is it just is just a little bit of a, you know, sort of a a tick maybe that he has, sort of his way to sort of reset after a point. And I don't just mean physically, but either either it's just sort of a uh, a kind of a, a habit that he has that maybe doesn't mean as much, or he needs to take part in one of those rocky training montages in the Russian winter where he's carrying logs and stuff like that because he's got to do something different. He's, he's got to get his wind up um, because that third set leads me to believe that he just didn't have anything left. 
Now, if he wants to win a Grand Slam outside of getting walkovers, I, I, I see no possible way, based on that physical performance, that he's going to be able to achieve the goal of winning a Grand Slam if he can't stand up straight in between points. You're talking about five setters. You get a day in between, that's fine. And maybe depending on where he plays, so if it's in New York and he's playing some night matches, and, it, and, and the deeper he gets in a, in a place like New York, certainly he will be featured on night matches. So he'll have a chance, uh, and that may help with um, you know less humid or whatever the case may be to help him maintain uh, his fitness. I mean, listen, he's, a, he's an elite athlete, clearly. Clearly. And he's fast and can cover the court and change directions. And uh, his jumping backhand, just half swinging something was awful. But still, he was up pretty high in the air. It was pretty amazing. But that doesn't always translate to good long-distance oxygen use. And so that that does not, in my mind, that does not bode well for him in a five-set match and then seven five-set matches. Not that he'll play five sets every time, but uh, certainly even playing three um, for most of it. And he's he's going to have to play more than three against any one of the big three or uh, more than one of them. And that's, that would be the key as well, that if he ends up on the side with one of them, possibly. And, uh, and one of them may not be Roger Federer, who is outside the top three, which I saw a tweet from someone. Who was that tweet from? I don't know what the rule is on like journalism stuff about giving credit to tweets or what have you. It was Christopher Clary who is a New York Times tennis correspondent. Good to know that an American paper has a tennis correspondent. That's something. That's something. I wonder if he's a volunteer because nobody cares about tennis. You do. Listen to this podcast. You do. But anyway, so Christopher Clary of the New York Times, um, and I'm sure other things, maybe, um, sent out a tweet about next week's ATB rankings. One, Djokovic. Two, Nadal. Three, wait for it, team. Four, Federer. And that's team's career high. And then he asked the question, Christopher Clary did at the bottom of the tweet, you have to wonder, this is a quote, you have to wonder at this stage if Federer will get back to the top three. Now, I retweeted that because I thought, that is a good point. That's a good question. So he's still a threat, and his ranking doesn't matter. If it mattered, he wouldn't have skipped the entire clay court season in years past. So he doesn't care about that. He's trying to win slams. So while he may not be top three, he still will be a factor in grand slams. And just hopefully for Monfils, because we're a fan of Monfils now, we're going to live and die with Monfils. You with me? So if he's on the side with one of the big three, uh, that would be helpful. That would be helpful. So um, 
but again, unless he does some training um, to get uh, get his aerobic fitness up, I just it, it it worries me. So I'll be yelling at the TV for the next six months, telling him to do that. And hey, maybe his grand slam he wants to win is on grass, and points are shorter. He can get to the net, get points over quicker. He won't have to bend over as much. So who knows? Well, that's Gail Watch or Gail Monfils Watch or Monfils Watch. I don't know what we're going to call it. I, I don't know. I'm going with Gail Watch. I don't know. That's what we're going to go with for now. If you got any tweet, tweet at me if you have any better options than that. I'm sure there are. So, yeah. So that's. Um, so as as a, a a new newly minted Gale fan that was a fun tournament to watch uh that that is exactly what I was talking about when I said I'm a Steelers fan or a Pens fan and I live and die uh or used to live and die with those teams I was doing that with Monfils now some of the some of the matches you know he played a couple that were pretty uh, pretty routine. So he, he beat Uchiyama one and two. He beat Gasquet three and three. But um, but some of some of the other matches, his first round of it against Fuksovic was four and five. So that edge your seat kind of business there. Um, and I was getting into it. I was getting into it. So follow me with them. I think I think aside from the big three, which is easy to be fans of them. That's nothing. That's easy. That's put it this way. If your friend or acquaintance that doesn't know when the Grand Slams are and maybe can't name all four of them, when they are a Fed fan or a Nadal fan, that should give you some idea that it's not that big of a deal to be a fan of the big three. And you notice I didn't say Novak fan because, oh my God, nobody likes him for some reason. But in any event, it's easy to be a fan of those guys, the big three. Or Serena or Venus, the superstar. Even Maria. I said it. I said it. Some people were or are. But find a player, and hopefully you'll join me in following Monfils. And not just, oh, what's Monfils doing? But invest yourself in it. Invest your heart into it. Because I do think, I do think... He is doing that. I think Gail Monfils is investing his whole self into this goal. He said it out loud on TV or wherever, and so now people know. So he can't back away from it. So I think he's serious, and he's going to put it on the line, which means it's going to be harder for him when he loses. And I think that gives me, and hopefully you'll feel the same way, that gives me that extra little something that really helps me buy in to following Monfils as a fan and getting into it, not just, Oh, what's he doing? But like really the roller coasters, the ups and downs as he wins and loses. And so I think that will add a lot of depth to your tennis watching experience this season. And ultimately, we, we can do the same thing on the women's side, but no women have declared this whole, you know, I mean, no, I don't know who else on the women's side is in his situation. Maybe Kleisters. Maybe Kleisters. I don't know. 
We'll have to look at that. But that's a sentimental pick. We'll see how she does as her return continues. One other thing I would like to mention. It's funny because I said nobody likes Djokovic and nobody does. I don't dislike him. Once again, I don't know him. I don't know any of these people. So I'm not going to make proclamations about how I feel about them as people. I don't know. Now, if he punched an old lady or something, okay, that'd be, I could, you know. But he didn't atone for his dumb heart thing he does. He didn't atone for that. There is no atoning for that. I thought the first tournament he played, um, he didn't do it. And I thought, hey, maybe he's retired that for the new year. I was wrong because he's doing it. It makes me ill. But one thing he did during the Monfils match that I don't know if you caught it or not. So Monfils hits a serve, which Novak didn't return. It, it, was, it was a serve that landed somewhere and then went past Novak, and he didn't, didn't return it. If the ball was in, it would be an ace. If it was out, obviously it was a fault. Well, they called it out immediately. The lines person or whoever called it out immediately. Novak walks up to the service line, looks at the uh, chair umpire, points with his racket to the line. I couldn't make out what he said. And then he just walked to the other side. So he conceded that the serve was in and thereby an ace and thereby giving Monfils that point. And this wasn't at one all in the first or him up for one in the third. Nope, this was like 5-4 in the second. He'd already lost the first, and he was in the thick of it in the second. And that was pretty impressive. That was pretty impressive, I thought. And Montefiore gave him the old racket clap over his shoulder, you know, kind of with one hand clapping on the racket. But, uh, but that was class. That was sportsmanship. And uh, doesn't make up for his dumb heart-throwing thing. But nonetheless, maybe, just maybe, people should like him a bit more. Because let's be honest, in a couple of years, that's all we're going to have. So you better get on board of the Djokovic train now. All right. Well, that's it. That's the show. Don't forget to tweet at us different things. Um, Certainly any questions or thoughts I've had, and I'd say, hey, Tweet up about it. This was you would use Twitter for that, by the way, and that's tennis rev pod, tennis R E V pod rev, as in short for revolution. Get it? Tennis revolution pod, tennis rev pod uh, on Twitter, and then on Instagram at tennis revolution pod, and that's Instagram. So tweet on Twitter, and I don't know Insta or Gram or whatever you do on Instagram. Uh, follow us over there. We don't send out pictures, but I did send out one audio clip, and it was such a hassle. I haven't done it again, but I got to find some young, smart person. Just, just I'll send them the file, and they just whip it up real quick because it's a hassle. But I will try to do that here in the future. So look for that and follow us on Instagram as well. And until next time, thanks for joining the revolution. Bye, Maria. <laughs>